are you ready for God's word? Wow. Yes, yes, yes. There should be an excitement about God's word. Today we're talking about the church. And you say, Pastor, if you're talking about the church, then why are you focusing on God's word? Do you realize that a church that is founded on God's word, that has God's word as their foundation, shall not stumble, shall not falter or fail. And this is why I, 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 you know, we call ourselves foundation. God gave us that name because he wanted us to always remember church, that we're building on his word. And so the church, uh, last week I talked about uh, uh, something that, that is concerning to the church. Today I want to kind of start off, because last week I didn't plan on, on teaching, uh, and so I felt like the, at the last minute it was impressed upon my heart, and I, I decided to, to, uh, to deliver that message. But today is the way I intended to start, and that is just that, the start. The start of what? The start of the church. Where did this church start? Let's talk about that for a second. The church started with the first believers in Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and Messiah. The first believers. You might say to yourself, well, what did they believe in? Well, I'm, I'm telling you, if you saw a man rise from the dead, you would believe. You would believe. You would be different, wouldn't you? But can I tell you something? It's one thing to believe. It's another thing to walk in power and conviction. With power and authority. And so the belief took place when they saw the resurrected king. The power and authority took place when they received the Holy Spirit. And so Jesus resurrects from the dead and he conquers sin and death. He conquers the grave. The grave has no more room to boast. The grave used to boast, I've taken every man down, every woman down, every child. No one escapes me. And yet Jesus comes and silences the boast of sin and grave. And he conquers it. And when you see that, it changes everything. Changes everything. So Jesus conquers it. He walks around for some, for about a month. He walks around on the earth. And you know, the, the, the church for the, through the ages has celebrated Ascension Sunday. Ascension Sunday. Because, because the church wanted every believer to know he conquered the grave, so we celebrate Resurrection Sunday. But then we also celebrate when he ascended into heaven. Because he is not here. He is in heaven, but he leaves us the power of his Holy Spirit. Now we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about that. And, and you say, well, pastor, are we talking about the word? Are we talking about the church? Are we talking about the Holy Spirit? Yes. Yes. You need all three. Amen. Amen. And so Jesus walks around on earth and he keeps appearing and disappearing to his believers. He's trying to cement in their hearts. I am with you. Think about it. He says, now you see me? Now you don't. Now you see me. Now you don't. Now you see me. Now you don't. After a few times, wouldn't you get the, the message? You'd start getting the message, oh Lord, you could pop in at any moment. You could disappear at any moment. 
It's as if you're trying to teach me that whether I see you or not, come on now, whether I see you or not, you're always with me. That's what he's trying to get us to understand. I'm always with you. And so the church starts with those first Christians believing in the resurrected King of glory, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, who conquered sin and death, and then they're filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. So Jesus is resurrected. He shows up to his disciples, right? He's popping in and out, and he says this, all authority in heaven and on earth are mine. Therefore, I convey to you that authority to go forward and make disciples of some nations. There's certain people Yeah, I was going to make a joke. No, I can't, I can't do that. Let, let's keep going. Um, yeah, extreme Calvinists believe that. <laughs> no, of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them everything that I have taught you and commanded you, and lo, I promise to be with you to the very end of the age. Now, I want you to highlight something. Matthew, in Matthew 28, which I just quoted uh, the end of the chapter there, he focuses on authority. Luke will focus in the book of Acts, Acts chapter 1 verse 8, he focuses on power because Christ has both power and authority. You cannot have one without the other and be legitimate and be a legitimate ruler. And so, so, so Matthew says all authority has been conveyed by the one, of, the one who has all authority and he's given you authority to go forth as an ambassador, as a messenger and start this beautiful thing called the church. How is, the, wait a minute, you mean the church started when those that believed Christ received the Holy Spirit? Yes, they received authority from God by the power of the Holy Spirit because, because uh, Luke puts it this way. You will be my witnesses, right? He says this, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes to you, comes upon you, and dwells in you. And you will be my witnesses. Where? Everywhere. Jerusalem, Samaria. Uh, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, ends of the earth. And so what I want you to understand is this. The church starts when the Holy Spirit comes down and empowers and gives those believers authority to go out to share the gospel message. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, more believers come to faith and more believers come to faith and more believers come to faith. And on through the ages, the believers have been coming to faith and the church has been marching on and marching on and marching on and marching on, and now we stand the same way they did, by faith, filled by the Holy Spirit, walking in newness of life, sharing and giving glory to the, to the King of, of all glory, that He is the way of salvation. That was the start. That was the start. And this is why, guys, this is why uh, Samuel Wesley, the father of John and Charles Wesley, said this to them. He said, the inward witness, son, the inward witness, this is the proof, the strongest proof of Christianity. What is he saying there? 
I'll tell you what he's saying. He's telling his son, if you want to know what Christianity is all about, it's about that inward witness, the Holy Spirit. Now, I want you to think about John and Charles. They were, they were evangelists, but not just evangelists. They were soul winners, but not just soul winners. You want to know what they were? They, was one of the, they were some of the greatest disciple makers this world has ever known. They were disciple makers. Their, their beautiful ministry changed continents. Did amazing work. And here, their father, knowing what they had given their life to, says, you want to know what discipleship is all about? You want to know what building a strong, healthy church is all about? Look inward. Look at the inward witness. Look at the Holy Spirit. It reminds me of, of something Amber Wilson said to me this morning. How many of you have seen my little red truck? Anyone know what I drive? The little red truck, it's a 1986 short, uh, uh, short bed uh, four-wheel drive. Four-wheel drive. And I, have not, I had not been able to drive it for years. I've, I've owned it for about 12 years, and I had not been able to drive it because I had some mechanical issues, and I'm very uh, limited in that area. Let's just say I'm not very mechanically inclined. Now, my dad knows all kinds of things, but I didn't learn that from him. I was doing other things and studying other things. Anyone relate to me that can, that can really know how to break a car and not, has no idea how to fix it? You know, and, and that's me. And so one of our beautiful brothers, Rick Schuler, came to me and he said, Pastor, I heard you have an 86 uh, Chevy square body, this and that. I said, yes, you heard right. Well, why aren't you using it? it broke. He says, you know what? I can do that kind of work in my sleep. How about me, you, and your son? We rebuild that motor. We, we dropped the 350 in it, totally rebuilt. He did the transmission work. He can do that. I mean, he's an excellent transmission guy. You want to use him, believe me. Then put a new exhaust system, carburetor, did all kinds of work to it. It sounds amazing. I rev it up. And I'm just sounds great. You know, and then my neighbors can hear me like around, down the block and around the corner. Oh, man. And, and, and so I, I drive it in today feeling great because the girls left me. They just left me. They said, you're not ready. We're, all, we're out of here. I said, I'll take my red truck. I drive in in my red truck. I know y'all are envying it. Y'all need to repent. Um, need to repent. Now, listen, I drive in and Miss Amber says, oh, pastor, with that shirt and your jeans, you look the part. You look like you and your truck belong together. I didn't know how to take that exactly, but I celebrated it. I said, yeah, I feel the part. How many of us know that it's human nature to want to look the part? You know, it's interesting because some people say, no, I don't want to look like society. And so they look the anti-part, but it's still the part. I remember skaters used to be like, no, we're not like the rest of the guys in school. We, we, we walk anti, but yet they all try to look the part. <laughs> they try to look just like a little skater, just like a little whatever. It doesn't matter who you are. We all, because this is the thing. We have a really hard time affecting the inside. So we, we dress up the outside. Isn't that true? And we figure, I'll fake it till I make it. 
But this is why the Holy Spirit is so important because he's the only one that can change you from the inside out. From the inside out. And that's what we're talking about here. Look inside to the promised one. The promised one, what do you mean the promised one? Jesus Christ promised it. In fact, he dedicates three full chapters to the promise of the Holy Spirit. He dedicates chapter 14, 15, and 16 of the book of John. And some of you who are real familiar with your Bible are saying, Pastor, 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 wait a minute. Chapter 15 is all about the vine and the branches and, 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 and the vine. Um, watch. I am the vine and you are the branches. Remain in me and I in How does Christ remain in you? He's talking about the Holy Spirit. He promises the Holy Spirit in chapter 14, gives you a word picture in chapter 15, and finishes the promise in chapter 16. It's all about the Holy Spirit, guys. And this is what he says in chapter 14. If you love me, keep my... Come on, read it with me. If you love me, keep my... Say it again. If you love me, keep my... Why is this important? Because Christianity light today is saying, you don't have to do a thing. Just know that God loves you. But here he says, if you love me, and if we're in a love relationship, there has to be what? Faithfulness. Isn't it interesting? That faith is the way you're saved. Faith is the way you should walk. The just shall live by I wish, wish I had time to go into all of that, but, but just, just read with me, watch. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper. How many of us have learned, it's tough to be a Christian. <laughs> you need help, amen? See, sometimes we're like, no, you don't have to do it because it's hard. So just rely on the love. It's all about love. I'm a greasy gracer, Pastor. I'm a greasy gracer. No, listen. Grace doesn't give you what? An excuse to live lower. It gives you reason to live higher. Amen? Grace calls you to holiness. And he says, I know it's tough. I know it's tough. Listen, if you don't believe it's tough to live for the Lord, then we need to talk. We need to talk. I don't know about you, but... I need to rely on the Holy Spirit every day. That's the beauty of the promise. Jesus says, I won't leave you alone. Someone said the other day, you know what? Sin isn't fun. Sin is no good. Sin is, yes, yeah, sin is no good. Sin will lead to many harsh consequences, but that's the problem. It is fun. Someone said, no, it's not. You weren't doing it right. <laughs> I mean, that's the truth. If it wasn't fun... Nobody would do it. But because it feels good to your flesh, it's hard to overcome. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's why Jesus said, I will send another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive. Listen, this promise is not for the world. It's for us. It's for the believers, the church. The world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and will be. Come on, how awesome is that promise? 
God is saying, I will give you all the power and authority you need to overcome sin, to live different, to be an example, to cast that off, put on the new, and to experience newness of life, abundant living, abundant living, living where you are free. That's what the Bible says. And I will not leave you as orphans. I will be with you. See, the Holy Spirit is not just a random force. See, we've grown up under this idea of, may the force be with you. What is that? What force? Well, there's two forces. How do I know which one is which? Well, one is good. How do I know what is good? Well, don't hurt somebody. But what doesn't hurt this person might hurt somebody else. A lot of decisions to make there. Just, just, just trust. Trust in what? No, the Holy Spirit is a person. You can know him. You can call him by name. Dear Holy Spirit of the living God, come and dwell with me. Lead me, guide me, speak to me. He's a person. He goes by the pronoun he. He's a helper. He's a helper. He's a helper. That wasn't meant to be that way. And I know some of y'all are smiling like I'm trying to say something. That's not, I didn't. I don't even know where to go from there. The promise, Jesus said, I won't leave you as orphans. The helper. Watch what Jesus says there. If you love me, keep my commandments, and I will pray to the Father, and he will give you another helper. See, the Holy Spirit has been there from the beginning. He is eternal, and he is part of the Godhead. Three in persons, one in essence, the triune God. When Jesus spoke, the Holy Spirit was a power that manifested the work. The Bible says that he hovered over the earth, over the waters. He separated the waters from the land and he created order. He brought forth light. It's the creative power of God that is manifested through the person of the Holy Spirit. God is amazing. Here's what I found. Stop it. <laughs> so I want you to know he's the author of truth. He's the one that inspired the Holy Scriptures and anointed them. He's the one that moves when Jesus spoke and drove out demons with a finger. When the Bible says with a finger, he drove out demons, it was the power of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God is amazing, and he's a promise to you from Jesus Christ. Not only that, he oversees and providentially oversees every aspect of salvation. The Bible says that you would not know salvation and God's love if it weren't for the moving of the Spirit. The moving of the Spirit quickens you to God's love. When you were first awakened to the inkling that God might love you and that you were in sin and you were dying in sin and that you need a Savior, it was the power of the Holy Spirit that brought that conviction. It's the power of the Holy Spirit that gives you faith to receive. And when you receive, it's him that enters in and makes you a new creation. The Bible says he is the agent of regeneration. He's the one that justifies you. What does it mean? You were condemned before the Holy Spirit. What? 
seals you and proclaims you righteous by the blood of Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit that will give you the power to be sanctified. Not that you'll be walking in perfection from the moment you accept him, but something has changed and there's a new nature in you desiring to look more like your father, more like Jesus Christ, more like the image of his son. And the Holy Spirit gives you the power to accomplish that. Now, if you're like me, it's taking a little longer. But I know, I know that I know that God works and lives in me and he's doing the work. He's doing the work, amen? The Spirit is a helper. In fact, the Bible calls him there in the, in the Greek, the paraclete. Not the parakeet, the paraclete. The paraclete means comforter, counselor. Now, this are the, these are the words that the King James writers used. And some of us think comforter, that doesn't seem quite right. See, we've lost the, kind of, the, the meaning. Back in the, in the Old English, comforter had a different connotation. If you break up paraclete, it's from two root words. Para, which means called. Kletos means alongside. So he is called to walk alongside you and beyond just alongside you in you. Because we're not talking about physically, we're talking about spiritually. So to be called to walk with you means this. Jesus said, in your life, you're going to face troubles, didn't he? You're going to face situations and circumstances and all sorts of trials and tribulations. And if they hated me, they're going to hate you. And they're going to feel, face persecution and you're going to face belittling and, and ridiculing and all of these things. But if and when you get through, if you get through and when you get through, then I'll send this helper to help you. What? No. He said he's going to be there with you. In fact, the only way you will get through is by his power. By his power. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. So now you see me, now you don't. But even if you don't, you know that I am with you. And you can reach out by faith to the loving hand of the Spirit of God. Comforter comes from the Latin, com forte. Com forte. How many of us are, are familiar with the word forte because of music? What does it mean when the music says forte? What does it mean? I'm looking to see who, because I, I, I was calling out Robert. Robert looks so serious. I don't know if he sings now, because I thought he did. And I, I mean, got bad information, because he was like. But forte means what? Forceful. More specifically, it means strength. With strength. So the spirit is another comforter. Notice, he's not just the comforter, the Counselor, the paraclete, he's another paraclete. Who was the first? Jesus. He was the first. And so he gives you strength to overcome. Strength in spite of things. In fact, let me ask you, what does it take for courage to be present? Because he gives us the ability to be courageous. But in order to be courageous, let me ask you a very important question. What is the one indispensable prerequisite ingredient for there to be courage. Very good. 
fear. Fear. See, without fear or insecurity or limitation, there's no reason to be courageous. And so, do you realize this is one of the most emphatic negative commands Jesus Christ gives his disciples? Yes, he says, don't murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't do certain things, right? But he also says what? Don't. In fact, it's used so often, we tend to think of it more like a greeting. That's why we don't notice it anymore. Every time he sees his disciples, it's like he's saying, don't fear. Don't fear. Fear not. Fear not. You remember when he comes walking on the water, what's the first thing he has to do because they're so scared in the boat? They think he's a what? He's a phantom, that he's a ghost, that something weird and supernatural is taking place. So he has to walk up to him and says, hey guys, don't fear. Oh, it's him. It reminds me of this morning. We, we have, um, by the way, if you'd like some, they're beautiful little cuddly kittens. We have four of them. Yeah, I know. Um, and these little Thank you, bundles of joy. I'm trying to get rid of them. You're right. I need, to, I need to stay consistent here. These bundles of joy climbed up in my truck. And you're in a hurry and you're trying to get them out. And they get so fearful. And they're like, one of them especially like. And he's just going at it. And so I have to put gloves on. I got my gardening gloves. I got welding gloves, kind of like, you know what I mean? I'm like trying to get this little cat out. And it's fighting for his dear life. And it's going deeper and deeper and deeper. And then at one point, I'm just like, you know what? I have time for this. I'm going to deal with it the old-fashioned way. Vroom, vroom, vroom. No. Then you're the one I need to give it to. <laughs> if you're like, no, 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 no. I got one for you. But, but watch, no, I didn't do that. I thought, man, I could just deal with it that way. It'll take care of the problem real quick. But I said, no, I got to get him out. So I pulled him by the tail and I grabbed him by his legs and I got back legs, tail. I'm trying to get him out. And he's like fighting for dear life. And it just hit me. That's the way God must feel with us. <laughs> I'm trying to help you if you let me not get killed. <laughs> Am I right? But we're so fearful, he has to keep reminding us, please don't fear. Please don't fear. In fact, I'm going to give you a helper so that you can overcome the fear and walk in courage and actually live this abundant life I have for you. Can I get an amen? If you want a cat, see my wife, please. So he helps us overcome this fear. See, he goes on in his promise of the Holy Spirit when he says, I still have many things to say to you. But Jesus was a, the best teacher that ever lived, and he says, I can't give it all to you. How many of you have ever uh, studied under a professor that tried to give you too much, and you always walked out going, I have no idea what I just learned. It was, it was too much. Jesus says, I know I have to break it up, and so I've given you just enough but I'm going to send you the spirit to keep teaching you. Watch. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, 
has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. Stay with me on this. And he will tell you things to come. He will, he will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he will take of mine and declare it to you. So you know what else he does? He makes the will of God, Jesus Christ, your Savior, known to you. There's things he wants to teach you. There's ways he wants to lead you. You say, but pastor, you're making it so, so churchy. Let me, let me bring it down to where we live. This is like dominoes showing up. Ding dong, fresh pizza. Here we go. You know how he's helped me? He's made God's word. He's made God's word come alive to me in being a better father. He's made God's word come alive to me in being a better husband. I can remember many times from God's word that he convicts me and says, that is not the husband I've called you to be. You're headed down a wrong road. Wives, he can help you in much the same way. Mothers, he can help you in much the same way. But you say, why do you keep putting it on God's word? Watch. It's right there. He will guide you into all truth. He is the spirit of truth. Now watch. He will not speak on his own authority. That means he's not going to be making fresh stuff up. He's going to bring it from, from Jesus' word. Watch. It's right there. He will glorify me, said Jesus, for he will take what is mine and declare it to but I don't know the word. That's why you don't hear the spirit. Uh-oh. But I feel like I hear the spirit. That's the problem with Christianity today. You have even pastors doing some ridiculous stuff, claiming it's the spirit of God. Talking about twerking for Jesus and all this other nonsense, claiming it's the spirit of God, saying that the spirit of God told him to cuss. I'm not saying that you won't slip up now and again, but to, but to put it on God? That's contrary to God's word. The Spirit will not lead you contrary to his word. It's right there. He doesn't have his, he takes, he's operated under the authority of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ said, in the beginning was the, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and the Word became flesh. And this is why it's so important to know your Word. Can I, can I get an amen? amen? Know your Word. Because what's happening in the church today is people are saying all sorts of things, putting it on the Holy Spirit. If we, we're going to get through the book of Acts. As we go through the book of Acts, the last thing you want to do is be lying on the Holy Spirit. Things don't go well when you lie about to the Holy Spirit. He's beautiful. He's the best thing I have. On more than one occasion, he's brought God's word to mind and he says, you, are, you want me to answer your prayers. I'll never forget, I wanted God to answer my prayer. And I had gone through a very difficult time. I'm looking at my time, I have time. I went through a very difficult time 
Um, and I, I went outside at one point and I said, Lord, I need to know you're with me. And as I began to pray this amazing shooting star and I started to hear the psalm of God in my heart. Psalms that I've known since I was younger, I felt like the Spirit was saying, I'm bringing God's word to light in remembrance to let you know I'm with you. Man, I felt amazing. I said, okay, I can do this. Right? Courage. Several years later, started having another difficult time as a pastor. My prayers weren't being answered. Went outside to that very same spot. I said, Lord, speak to me. I need a sign. And then I said, I'm going to stay here as long as it takes. And I opened up the tailgate in my truck and I sat down. And I just started looking up at the stars going, I'm going to wait on it. And God said, I, 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 feel, I felt this in my heart. That's arrogance. And then he started bringing to mind scriptures. How he doesn't, he doesn't owe us anything. Who are we to demand of God like he owes us? And as I started remembering those scriptures, I said, I'm sorry, Lord, but I'm, I'm, I'm still asking. And then he brought the verses in Peter that says you should treat your wife as a precious vessel of God. And if you don't treat her right, don't believe that your prayers will be answered or that you'll receive anything from God until you get that right. So you can rot your little butt on that truck, but I don't, you won't get nothing from me other than my word that says, go treat your wife right. Came back in the house. <laughs> Baby, I'm sorry. Come on. You need the power of the Holy Spirit to say, I'm sorry. The power of the Holy Spirit has stirred up in my heart where I've begun to my children and said, I'm sorry. Do you hear what I'm saying? It makes you a better person. He makes you a better person. The word makes you a better person. So he will glorify Jesus Christ. The next one is family. He brings you into the family of God. See, the purpose of the Spirit's ministry is to bring us into the family of God, to give us a consciousness that we are a part of the family of God. We should feel like the family of God. And then he gives us the power to live as the family of God. This is why John Calvin said this. What titles are applied to the Holy Spirit in Scripture? He's saying, when I consider all the titles that are applied to the Holy Scripture, the one that is most important, the first, not the first in terms of uh, the first one that comes out in Scripture, but the one that is preeminent, the one that means the most to me. This is what he says. We are called by the spirit of adoption. We covered that, so I won't recover it. But when we, two weeks ago, we covered the spirit of adoption. We are called to be his children. This is what the verse says in Romans 8 and Galatians. He says, for you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. There it is. You didn't receive a spirit of fear. Fear not. God is saying, stop. I'm trying to help you. You're my son now. But, but this is interesting because in the King James, it uses sonship. You have been brought into sonship. Well, what about daughters? You know why it focuses on sonship and why in the Greek it says sonship? 
Because in the ancient world, in the ancient world, daughters didn't receive inheritance. And so God is saying here, whether you're male or female, rich or poor, Greek or Jew, slave or free, you have been brought into sonship and you have full inheritance as a son. As a son. And this is consistent throughout the New Testament. You're a son. It doesn't matter who you are. You have full inheritance of heaven. It reminds me, because as I study that word, cries out. How many of us uh, are pretty good at English? What is onomatopoeia? Am I saying it right? I remember that from English. wasn't the best at English, but I remember. That it means that the word sounds like what it what it means, yeah. And so the word in the Greek is, is uh, literally, daddy. It doesn't mean daddy. It means daddy. If you read the whole chapter, and, and even in, in, in Galatians, it means he helps us. He helps us with what? In our most difficult times. This is easy for me because I've always been a, somewhat of a scaredy cat. No pun intended. <laughs> but I have been a little bit of a scaredy cat. When I was younger, I always was very spiritually sensitive. That's what I used to tell my, my brothers. My brothers would be like, man, why are you always so scared? I said, I'm spiritually sensitive. <laughs> you guys are dull, dull as a doornail. But I'm spiritually sensitive. And, and, and uh, I'd get scared at night, especially. And I remember that I'd go and I'd sleep by my dad's bed. And then one day my dad almost stepped on me and he said, Chris, you can sleep in your own bed. And he said, in fact, son, I want you to know that if you ever need me, you can scream out, Daddy! And I'll be there. So I can remember that first night when I was awakened and I was scared and I was nervous. And I thought, should I, should I scream out? Should I scream out? And I couldn't take it anymore. So I yelled out, Daddy! And as soon as I yelled at it, like, one Mississippi, two, he was there. Not even two Mississippi, he was there. And he came in with a bat and he said, what is it, son? What is it, son? I said, well, I heard something on my window. And he goes and he checks it. He goes outside, he checks it. He says, you can sleep safe and secure. Safe and secure. You know what's interesting? I had no idea what the verse of the day would be. I will both lie down in peace and sleep. For you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. Isn't it interesting? Fits perfect with this illustration because God will be there for you when you... But this is the thing. Some of us are too brave for our own good. Yeah, I'm having trouble with this marriage thing, but... I got it, I'll figure it out. I'm having m trouble with this wife thing, but I got it, I'll figure it out. I'm having trouble with this mother thing, with this father thing. I'm having trouble with this brother thing. I'm having trouble with this work thing, but I've got it, I'll figure it out. I got it, I'll figure it out. I'm having trouble with this financial thing, but I've got it, I'll figure it out. 
I'm having trouble with this confidence thing. I'm having trouble with this anxiety thing. I'm having trouble with all of these things, but I got it. I'll figure it out. How about daddy? Daddy, help me. How about please speak to me? Let me know what you have for me. Oh, it's right there in God's word. Come on, power and authority is where we finish. Power and authority, because ultimately, the power and authority that we'll uncover over the next few weeks, I'm not going to finish it today, but I want you to know he has the power to set you free from condemnation. From condemnation. Because of the powerful, saving work of the Holy Spirit, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, that's where most people stop. There's no condemnation because I'm in Christ Jesus. No, no, watch. Who do not walk according to the... Why is that important? Because the Spirit is not about fake it till you make it. I say that I'm a Christian, but I walk by the flesh. You'll never feel confident that way. You'll never feel safe and secure that way. You'll never feel the no condemnation part until you say, Holy Spirit, I'm done walking in my strength. I'm done being in control of my life. I'm done. Come on, someone give testimony to the... I've tried it my way. I'm the problem. Time and time again, I keep thinking I know best, and I keep ignoring you. Today, Lord, is the day I give it all to you. And every day, Lord, let me die to myself that I may live for you. Let me die to myself that I may live for you. Lord, I don't want this sin to rule over me, but I want you to rule over me, God. And even if it takes me a lifetime, God, I'm never, ever, ever going to stop trusting you for better, for greater, for you to take control and to lead me ever. Do you hear what I'm saying? Because when you get to that point, this is not getting on you. This is freedom. Freedom. That's why it says, who do not walk according to spirit, but according to flesh. For the law of, uh, of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. That's the way I, I got newness of life. And once you get that, this is how he bookends this chapter, this beautiful chapter about the power and authority of salvation. He says there's no condemnation when you give yourself to walk by the spirit. No condemnation. No condemnation. You don't have to feel shame. You don't have to feel any of that. You can walk in freedom. And then watch how he finishes. This is the last verse right here. Nothing. You will be convinced. You will be convinced in your heart, deep in your heart. Watch. For I am persuaded. I am convinced. Nothing can change my mind that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate me from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, who is my Lord. He's my Lord. I stand in confidence and assurance. Oh, I could go just connecting it to the next verse, to the next verse, to the next verse. 
That's beautiful, guys. So if you're here today and you feel the power of the Holy Spirit, I don't know where my little, my juice is. Thank you, Dustin. Thank you very much. Um, that's what communion is about. Saying, Lord, I'm not going to live condemned. I'm living free with this kind of confidence. Right here, right now. I trust you, Lord. You might be making this decision for the very first time. It's called salvation. If you are, we'd love to welcome you into the family. We all made that decision at some point. We said, Lord, I believe that you are the Son of God, that you conquered death when you resurrected by the Spirit of the living God. I receive you as my Lord and Savior. I turn from my sin. I turn from being in control of my life and I put my life in your hands, Holy Spirit. You have full access. Change and rearrange whatever needs to be done. I want to live by your power, by your strength. Say, Pastor, I've made that decision several years ago. But in the course of time, I've, I've changed things. And I took control again, and I kind of started wandering and doing my own thing. You know what's so beautiful? He is faithful and just to forgive if only you ask. You can come to him and say, Lord, take full control again. Here's my life. The same way I received you is the same way I want to live from here on out. It's a beautiful thing to live under the power of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You made that possible by the shedding of your blood and the giving of your body. We are grateful. In Jesus' name. Amen. Church, I love you. Have a great, great week.